Blog Talk Radio. You know, I have a quote from Anais Nin, and it's very powerful. And it is, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. 
And I have this quote hanging in my office. You know, we can become accustomed to anything. And that's really quite a shame because when we do, we really can sometimes become accustomed to living in a state of suffering. And that can become rote. And the pain is ever-present, and we're scared to move out of that suffering. What we don't know, what we don't want to risk, is more severe pain or a different type of pain. Whether you are listening to this live or on the podcast, you came here for a reason. Perhaps this is your day, the day that you realize it is more painful now to suffer than it is to take time, to take the risk, to move forward with your life. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Lynn Cochram Murphy, an intuitive consultant specializing in bringing guidance to those who seek assistance with their spiritual path in addition to facilitating physical healing, emotional growth, and removing blocks to a life of joy, meaning, and purpose. She has a doctorate in education, is a licensed substance abuse counselor, an access bars instructor, and an advanced level theta healer and course instructor. She teaches at Northern Arizona University and maintains a private practice in Phoenix, Arizona, and she is the author of Living Hope, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind, which is our topic for discussion. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you for joining us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I am being great today. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, Tia, I appreciate you having me on today. Oh, well, you know, your book is really Wow, let's just say that to start. Yours is a profound journey of deeply personal experiences. So I think I'd like to start with you telling us, if you don't mind, and our listeners, those who have not read your book yet, so that they have an understanding that it is possible to move forward no matter what. So would you mind telling us about your journey? Sure. And I appreciate the invitation to do that in that it's, it's such a wonderful thing to have gone from the suffering to a pretty joyful life. So the suffering started, and it's in the first chapter of the book, with a, a house fire. When I was two and a half years old, our house burned down. Um, I was carried outside by my father. I was found on the lawn in front of the house. Uh, my father went back in to save my sisters. He could not save them. Um, the furnace in the middle of the house had exploded so he couldn't get back to their room to get them they died in the house he died in the hospital later um so i was the only survivor my mother wasn't home right then so that was that was how it started for me and that's in the book after that at age four she remarried she married a man that was emotionally abusive of her At age nine, that man died in a logging accident. At age 10, she married again. She married 
My second stepfather, a man with a serious alcohol problem who uh, was abusive physically and emotionally and verbally. So, you know, it's like life went from good to traumatic to bad. And if you know about um, alcoholic families, there's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of craziness. And that's their norm. So that was my life in my teen years. I got married so I could get out of my parents' house by the time I was 17. Uh. I did manage to um, make it on my own and get on into college and get on with my life at age 25. My parents bought a bar, my age 25. They bought a bar. Um, They both had serious drinking problems by that time. And um, it was robbed within two months. And my mother was shot and killed. For me, that was the end of the drama. And thank God, because it was a lot. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, more than you share, let's just say that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the damage was done. I very much had a victim mentality about life. Um, I had a a good deal of depression. D, diagnosed Mm -hmm. by, by a therapist. So, and those are all like normal outcomes from that kind of a beginning. Sure. So that was just, that's how my journey started. And yet, because at the same time, I, so I went to a therapist in ninth grade because I was just, I was acting out in school and I was giving my mom a hard time. And she suggested reading some psychology and I got a lot out of it. I loved it. Mm. Then, um, because my family had taken me to multiple, just a whole bunch of different churches, I had some kind of a faith that there was something that cared about me if I could only find it. Mm. So I started my spiritual journey early and was reading Alan Watts and and, um, some other spiritual materials in high school. So that's kind of how it started for me. Yeah, and, you know, it is very powerful because, as you said, and that's when the drama was over. It was almost like you made a decision as well as looking back and seeing it, you, you made a decision, then, and that's when that was done. You know, there. I, I want to go one, to one of the points that you made about PTSD. There are more than 8 million Americans in this country suffering from PTSD, and most people presume that it affects the military only, but that's so not true. There are many civilians who suffer from PTSD as well. So, you know, just so that people have an understanding of what it is and some who feel that it can't possibly be something that they are enduring, you know, and they may find that it is and that there is help. Would you like to go into that a bit just so that they can get a grip of it? Yeah, I appreciate you pointing that out. I was really shocked when I saw that number, the 8 million Americans, um, and that it, it very much can be the ordinary person. It affects women more than men uh, well, mm-hmm. more often. It is more likely to occur if you've experienced multiple traumatic events, and they're referring it to as a, to it as a traumatic experience or witnessing a life-threatening event. So, a child mm-hmm. who's abused, someone who loses a lo- loved one, it um, occurs more often if the events, the traumatic events, occur when you're younger. Um, if you have less education, it occurs more in African American and Hispanics. It also, um, I mean, you know, when you think about the number of 
people that you know that were hit a great deal by their parents, um, kids mm. in foster care, and the amount of abuse they've been through, um, a child who witnesses a parent being hit, um, mm-hmm. losing a, lost one, a loved one traumatically, or even uh, witnessing a car accident. Or, I mean, look at all the New Yorkers who were in New York on 9-11. Yes. Not necessarily mm-hmm. in the building, just in the city. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that kind of helps expand our picture of why it isn't just the military. The military helped us identify it. So we right. know but right. what it is. But it's everywhere. I think there are also degrees in how um, severely it impacts you. Mm-hmm. With all the work that I've done over the decades to to heal, um, I don't see much of it come up with me anymore, except mm-hmm. just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting next to a fireplace, and my girlfriend um, lit the fireplace, uh, turned on the gas, and when it lit, it made that boom sound. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the pain moved through my body from my head to my feet. And it was like, wow, what... An amazing reaction I saw my body have, and so that it wouldn't continue to traumatize me, I expressed what had just happened, and then the day went on. But I wanted to bring it out and to clear it, because I've already got enough trauma in my body. I don't want any more. But that moment was as if I were back in time 50 years yeah. Well, we know that there are there are always triggers. I mean, we think we release something and, you know, we're like an onion. Something, something is going to trigger you. And usually when it's you least expect it, here you are in a friend's house trying to have a conversation. She lights the fireplace. You expect nothing. And all of a sudden, boom, you're right back there. Totally right. unexpected. It's almost like when you're at your calmest. It just comes up and hits you right in the face. I hate that. <laughs> and, I hate and yes, that because there are triggers. There are. Life is going to happen. Um mm-hmm. But that's one of the nice things about the alternative healing modalities, or even within psychology, they've had to go to, or and counseling, they've had to go to somatic trauma, traumatic release to get it to leave the body because talking therapy doesn't do that. Right. Not anymore. Yeah. And even they've discovered that. The, the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology is now in full force, and it's wonderful to see this because they realize that talk therapy is not enough, and there's energy psychology that has to be involved with it, which is energy therapy. So, you know, that's good for us. <laughs> it really is, and good for, for the people that, that step up and say, you know, I want something different, help. Right, right. Right. And, you know, one of the things that this is all about in in your book, of course, you know, leaving suffering behind, it's all about suffering. But suffering, as you mentioned in your book, has purpose. And I completely agree. I, I, I absolutely believe it has purpose for everyone. And people think that that's a very odd statement. So since you wrote it in your book, and I agree with you 100%, I'd like to know if you'd like to expand on that. Okay. Well, suffering is just a natural part of life, you know, whether you're watching animals in the wild or or seeing your child grow up and experience life. Um, In Buddhism, Buddha talked about it, and that's why he encouraged people to study and practice so that they could move beyond that, and that's called enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of us in the meantime, how do we 
get into a place mm-hmm. where the suffering doesn't dominate our life. And that is what the book is about. And that's why the book's called Living Hope. So it's right. not just about my story. It's about, well, at least not just about the trauma of my story, but about how to overcome. Because we have a lot of tools available to us. Yep. I guess one other thing that I would want to say about suffering is that um, maybe the positive side is that it is it's a it's a matter of choice eventually of whether or not you stay in that and so for me it became a motivator it motivated me to do something else about my life I had faith I had hope uh, I had belief that it was possible to go beyond that. And I I couldn't stand staying in the misery, so it motivated me. So maybe suffering can be a motivator. Sure, it's definitely an awareness factor. And when you are aware and you can use the tools that you've learned or been given, that's your growth. And that's a good thing because we all want to grow and move forward and, and make better our lives. And so the suffering is just the means to get there, albeit in not a most wonderful way, but it is indeed something that we we take on, and if we're aware of it, we can process it more quickly and get through it so that we can move on to a better space. Do you agree with that? This is so, a key. Yeah, okay. Um, so being aware of what's going on with us and then making decisions to, are you going to tolerate that anymore? I, mm-hmm. I think of it often in case of uh, families where abuse is going on and how important it is to empower yourself and to use your resources and to reach out and to others to get the help that you need so that you can say, no, I'm done with this. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. I'm not going to let my children see it. I'm not going to let my children experience it. It's, you know, to to be your own advocate and get out of that. And so those are some of the other things that I talk about in the book is how to empower yourself. And, you know, again, this is a book about your story, but it's so much more. When I think if anybody read the book, you can resonate with pieces of it, and you certainly can pick up information and tools that you offer. You know, and you also stated that suffering is an illusion. Nobody wants to buy that one either because nobody wants to think they're being fooled and have, having the wool pulled over their eyes. So why don't you expand on that one too? You know, I even hesitated to say that one out loud because <laughs> <laughs> or share it with anyone because it can really push people's buttons because people yeah, feel yeah. so trapped <laughs> in their circumstances. Yeah. Yep. But for me, because of my, my spiritual practices, I really have come to the conclusion that this world that we live in is not the thing that we think it is. It's a construct. And it's created for our experience here, for our opportunity. We want this, but it's not real. What is real is that we are consciousness. We are beings of light using bodies. We're so much more than we think that we are. Now, I say that that's true of every single person who's listening to to this. I say it's true Mm -hmm. of you. It's not just true of me. And so suffering is an illusion because our whole experience here is like a play on a stage. It's not real. If you go behind the scenes, you're going to find something else. And to me, that's consciousness. That's life force. 
that's what we talk about as God, um, but I I use other words for it because it's not. When I think of God, I often think of what I was taught as a child, that it's a being and I need to go find it or maybe go Mm -hmm. to heaven to be with it. But I think actually studying what is Christ consciousness, cosmic consciousness, that energy of who we are, that's what I seek, and it's right here. Mm-hmm. The essence of, of who we are, because this is, I mean, I refer to like our physical being as this is just our mobile home. You can beat it, you can shoot it, you can punch it, you can hit it, stab it, whatever you want to do, but you cannot get to me. There's no way you can get to me because yes. I'm just driving this mobile home. So when yes. I explain that to people, they'll say, Oh, okay, and I'll say no one can ever hurt you. They can hurt your physical being, and you can allow that, or you can walk away from that, or you can fight for your your physical being to be okay. But they can never get to the real essence of who you are because you are made from the source of love, so you are indeed love, and nothing beats love. Love is like mm-hmm. paper over rock, right? Isn't paper the one everybody wants to be? Rock, paper, scissors. I don't know. I don't. You know, I'm just saying that's what it is, though. That's all. So it, it, it is kind of an illusion because we're just, as you said, we're almost like this is our costume and we're on the stage. If you don't like the play you're in, get out. You know, get off the stage and find another play. Yeah, you know, rewrite mm-hmm. it. You can do that every day. Mm-hmm. So when people, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do that. And some of the tools that that you have used. You mentioned. So, what are some of the tools people can use to escape that sense of powerlessness that they feel so that they can move ahead and really, really, truly leave the suffering behind? I think a starting place is to question what you were taught, what you were told, and see if it suits you as an adult. Because so mm-hmm. much of what we were told is, is irrelevant to us as adults. I think that seeking, because everything that we desire is possible. You can you see so many examples of people who've gone from from zero to sixty in their lives, just from nothing to having everything they desired. If they can do it, you can do it. So, mm-hmm. so seeking and trusting that what you desire is possible. Um, seeking in that there's so much available finding what fits for you. For me, a lot of it was um, finding a spiritual path and sticking with it. So I never, um, although I studied with a Buddhist Buddhist sect um, in my late teens and early 20s, I left that and I moved to another group. I lived in a, uh, a metaphysical Christian commune in Oregon in the 70s, late 70s, no, late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was a great learning opportunity also then after that I really kind of went more my own way although I'll visit a church or a temple or um, study with someone for a little while it's apparently my path to do my own thing but I love studying all the different teachers and religions out there so I can feed and nourish that spiritual growth in myself. So I think a spiritual practice, whatever that it means for you, and I, I do mean a daily spiritual practice, that, that yeah. doing something to nurture that part of yourself every day. So those made a difference. And then the book has a lot more, you know, even journaling, starting your day yes. or ending your day with some journaling is another tool. There's so many. Um, the webpage for the book, Lynn Cochran Murphy, 
com. That web page mm-hmm. has some newsletters on it. has a free chapter from the book. If you want to read a chapter before you buy the book, uh, it has a template activity out of the book. So I think that will give um, listeners a good idea of some of the things that are in the book that could be valuable to them. Yes, and, you know, it is a quick read. I mean, I read it in a matter of like two hours. And, and mm-hmm. you know, yes, I'm a fast reader, but I was a lot of times I read the book for the show, specifically for the show to just get through it and figure out what questions I'm going to ask the author. But I read your book. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. because it was one you wanted to read. It was so captivating and fascinating. And there was so much that anyone I think could resonate with and learn from. And I do think that you know, we are all limitless. If we knew how limitless we were, we would astound ourselves. We would probably think yes. because we wouldn't, you know, we would think really with that, we can do that. Yes, you can. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're absolutely right. So thank you, Thomas Jefferson, for that. Um, it's absolutely mm-hmm. true. And so your beliefs do create a lot. Asking questions is key because if you never ask the question, the answer is always no. So you need to ask the question and to learn more about you and other things so that you can build on that compassion. So learning about different religions and different practices is a wonderful thing. Whatever the God is of your understanding, to me, in in reading about different religions and learning different things, I've decided, you know what, they're all the same. We just call them something different. But they're basically all the same. I think when we die, it's going to be like, hey, everybody's here that I knew from all these other religions, and we thought we wouldn't be, <laughs> you know? So one big party, because, you know, it's fake out, we're all here, it's all the same thing, but it's semantics when it comes to how you refer to it, this being. And when you mentioned that, you know, as having a spiritual practice every day, I think spirituality itself is a daily practice. I, I love to hear people say, well, I'm not religious, I'm very spiritual. But then they'll say things and they'll be judgmental and they'll be wanting to shame people or bully people or, you know, that's the lowest form of vibration to want to hurt someone else, to be mean, to shame them, to say things that you know you know coming out of your mouth you're hurting that person as you say it. To me, that's the lowest vibration. And when that happens to me often enough with a person, I back that person away. I don't need that energy in my life. And what amazes me is the universe takes care of that for me because perhaps I have something going on and they were going to be a part of it, and then all of a sudden they can't be. And I think, thank you, God, for taking care of that. I don't have to worry about it. So when you're practicing your spirituality, and it's not meditating every day, it's not praying every day, it's just being a good person. That's really what it is. Be kind. Harm none. Just be kind to people. Ellen DeGeneres says it right. Please be kind to everyone, including yourself. You know, mm-hmm. does that make sense to you? Oh, it, it really does. Um, for me, it, it often, um, I guess I see it in how I treat people. That when yes. I'm in the flow of of the goodness that I am, I see my interactions with other people being really positive, supportive, empowering. And if I get cranky or something pushes my buttons, I see how I'm different with other people. I'm not as giving, as loving, as open, as generous. And then I know I need to go be alone <laughs> and do some work yeah. to get over whatever triggered me. Um, yeah, because I want to be the person who who drives her car down the street and prays for the homeless people, who prays for the yeah. animals, who talks to God, because God can always hear me. I don't have to be on my knees or in a church. 
Right. So right. that's who I want to be. But, I, yeah, I have moments when I notice I start to slip out of that and be, mm-hmm. the you know, to be human and, and to fall. And But I do know how to raise my vibrations and get out of that. Right. And when we do, you know, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. Mistakes are just that. Look up the word. It's a mistake. You didn't mean mm-hmm. to have it happen. But when you're purposefully, when you are purposefully being mean to try to cut someone, to take them down so you look better, that is the lowest form of vibration. And I just don't countenance that. I can't. I can't have that in my life. I no longer want that person part of my life. I know when they're doing it to me, and I think they know that I know. And in that instance, it's okay to back away from that person. You're not going to be mean. You're still going to communicate. You're still going to be okay with them. But you just love them way over there. They're not up front anymore. You know, you just got to put them at the back of the line. That has That's been my okay to experience do. is to identify mm-hmm. people because a lot of people that are hurtful put a smile on their face and couch mm-hmm. it in terms of, oh, you can't take a joke or, oh, you're too sensitive. And they are way off the mark. And those are the people that I, um, I, I've removed from my life. Or, you know, some of them I never even said much to about it other than, you know, I'd really like you not to talk to me like that or something yes. like that. But then, you know, I don't call them anymore. Because why? Mm-hmm. Who knows what they're going to say next? I don't need that. And if they can't right. hear me when I ask them not to do it, then fine. They're not in a place where they can hear that. But I don't have to be a part of it. No, nor do you want to be. Your vibration's high. You don't want to have anybody try to drag it down. And I firmly believe someone who can't take your your vibration down unless you allow it. So we take our own vibration down. But because, you know, you too, you, you do similar work that I do, and we know how to raise our vibrations, and we help other people raise theirs, as long as they stay up there and realize, you know what, I feel for those people because I think that they're suffering for whatever reason, whether it's jealousy, whether it's just that they have a mean streak, whether they're in a bad mood, whatever it is, when it's purposeful, I'm done. I'm done with them. I've written you off. Please, I don't care how much you think you've done for me in the past. I don't care what kind of person you think you are. You did that. I took note. I allowed it a couple of times, and now I'm done. And that's okay because now you're taking your power back. You're not being mean. You're taking your power back and saying, "Eh, I just don't want to be around that negativity. And I think that's sometimes hard for people because they don't feel like they are deserving and they don't know how to shift themselves from, you know, they figure, well, I must have deserved it. I don't think so. Do you? <laughs> no, I don't. And I, that's part of getting really healthy is is realizing when people are like that, no matter what words they use to mask it and to yes. to realize that you deserve better. I also think that the people that are that way, they're suffering, but they're not yes. dealing with yes. it. They're just taking it mm-hmm. out on the world. They're, but they're in pain and they need help. Yeah. But that doesn't mean if they're not asking for help, what can you do? You have to take care of right. yourself. Right. And you don't, and you don't, you can offer help. And if they don't take it, or if you, if they ask for help and you offer it and they don't take it, you might do that once, twice. They usually do it three times and they say, you know what, now I'm really done because they don't want to work on themselves. You can't help anybody who doesn't want to help themselves. And the one thing That's I've true. always learned, and I'm sure you did too, is you never work harder than the patient. Okay, I won't. I'm done. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a patient or if it's a friend. It's like, okay, we're not working well together. Go find somebody else to help you. <laughs> but that's a really good point it's because true. they teach you that um, when you become a counselor. Yeah. And 
<laughs> I know when I worked, I worked in drug treatment, and um, they would say, you're working harder than, than your client. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And the light bulb would turn on, and I'm like, uh-oh. I'm working yeah. harder than the client. That means he's he's either already relapsed or about to relapse. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and who wants to be a part of that? Because it's like, I don't want that on my record that I help somebody. <laughs> I was an enabler helping them to relapse, you know. That's yeah, I don't not want good. to be an enabler. Mm-hmm. No. You know, and I, but I do think it's really hard for people to understand how much you, when you just said a few moments ago, you have to um, help yourself and you do, you have to, you have to take care of yourself. If you don't, no one else will. People think, oh, well, I have my, my children will take care of me in my old age or my husband takes care of me. No, 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 no. I don't, that's a, that's a fairy tale. <laughs> Boy, you have to true. take care of you, isn't it? You have to take care of you so that you can take care of those people and those things you want to do to make this world a better place because your function here is to leave it better than you found it as far as my function here. I think other people would agree with that. And to try to be nice and kind and leave it a better place and not be hurtful and mean and rotten. Because, you know, sometimes when people are hurtful, mean and rotten, well, let's just say it, it, it hurts and it's mean and it's rotten. <laughs> you can't do yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, part of what motivates me is because I believe in reincarnation. I don't want to mm-hmm. ever have to come here without a choice, you know? Yeah. If I ever come here again, I want it to be that um, I've offered myself to come in service, not in karma, you know, yeah. so I choose not to create karma that's going to take me out of choice. You know, when you create negative karma so that you have to atone, then um, life's hard. Yeah. So, yeah, I prefer to watch my step, watch my mouth, uh, watch my actions. And if I see that I'm off base to go be alone and get myself in yeah. touch with with my God source so that I don't, I don't do that anymore. Because, like on the lowest or the simplest level, I have to apologize if I do something mean. Exactly. Be so, accountable. And right. And besides, if it's with someone you know that I really care about, like my husband, if I apologize and keep doing the same thing, that tells him that I'm dishonest and I'm not. You know, I'm not even. I'm just mouthing the words. So mm. not only do I have to apologize, I have to change my behavior. So all yeah. of that, that's, you know, really being a grown-up, but it makes a difference in my life and the people around me and my world. And that's what I want to be is a positive influence, not a drag. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people apologize and throw I'm sorry around like it's, you know, hello, that's not an apology. You you hit the nail on the head. You apologize, and then your awareness kicks in, and you realize, I won't do that again. If you apologize and you do it again, I'll cut you slack. But if you apologize then and do it again, now I'm really not going to cut you as much slack. And the third time you do it, you're out because you didn't learn. You're not even learning, and you keep doing it, and you think by saying, I'm sorry, it's okay, and everything's mended, and we're all good. No, it's still hard, and you haven't learned. So for their growth and mine, I need them out of my life. They need to learn how to adapt and go elsewhere and find somebody else to suck the blood life out of, but it's not going to be me. And <laughs> karma, you know, well, right? I mean, I, I, this is how I talk to my clients. <laughs> you know, karma is one of those things that 
it, it goes two ways. So you try here to not have bring in the karma so you're not coming in with it in another life. You don't want to create it. But there are people who truly believe, they truly believe that they are here. They were born to suffer. They were born to be in a place of poverty. They were born to whatever conditions they were born to, and there's absolutely positively no way out. So they continue to lament, and they, they don't even try to get out of the victim role. Those people are, are harder to work with because they believe, well, that's my lot in life. There's nothing I can do to change it. That's a tough one. That's really sad to me because it is it nothing you know that's part of the nature of life and part of suffering is that things don't stay the same so nothing has right. to stay the same um yeah that's the only so constant things change yeah there you go so if we're recreating our unhappiness day by day we also have the choice to create a different life with every single decision we make so mm-hmm. if Popcorn gives me acid indigestion. I can eat popcorn and I can suffer. Or I can not eat popcorn and not have the acid indigestion. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And and that's just like a, a little physical example. But it applies in all parts of our life. Something you were saying earlier really made me think about how awareness is key. And that it's difficult to be aware that um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I, I think meditation helps me with that. But so yes. did I, I was in recovery programs for a while there, too, um, with programs like Al-Anon and ACA and, and so on. They really have you do self-examination. And I think that that's really helpful to increase that self-awareness so that you don't do things in life that you regret. And so that you can take, when posed with a new situation, you can choose what moves you forward in life versus what keeps you stuck. There's nothing more uncomfortable than being stuck. At least that's how I feel about it. Me too. And it's really hard to, when somebody is constantly giving you the same reason why they're stuck, but I can't, you don't understand, you don't live my life, I don't, I, there's nothing I can do. One of the things that I ask people to do is if you start journaling, and this is in your book, start journaling. This is the easiest form. And every day think of five things. Let's start with one. Just think of one thing that you're grateful for for that day. And I actually had clients say to me, but there's nothing to be grateful for. So then I have to point things out. And the first thing I point out is, did you wake up this morning? Well, now they can't say no because they're sitting right in front of me. And they'll say, well, yes. And I'll say, do you know that some people did not? Oh, I can be grateful for that. You should be grateful for that. Okay, now let's say, did you have breakfast? Yes, some people did not. There's people who don't have food. Oh, Mm -hmm. did you shower? Was it hot water? So you start going through the litany of just the first five minutes of the day, and all of a sudden, they're thinking a little bit differently. Just change the perspective. So it's really easy to come up with five things a day, but start with one, and then after a few weeks, go to two or three, and soon you'll be at five. And once you start feeling that gratitude, you will see things coming to you and things getting knocked out that no longer serve you. That's all the negative people and all the negative junk, and you'll see all the positive and good stuff start to come in slowly and maybe a couple of things that you didn't expect, like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that at all, and just be grateful for it, you know? And to me, gratitude is almost like the secret of life because in every situation, and I know you will agree with me on this, Lynn, because you've been through to hell and back, and you've been through so much, and yet 
you still have things to be grateful for that you can find in each situation. True? Oh, so true. I really enjoy um, starting my morning that way. So I try to do that before I get out of bed, and I do it, um, again, as I'm falling asleep. And I do it for for a couple of reasons. One is it really makes me appreciate things like I have a fluffy bed. I have a comfortable bed. My husband is here. God, that's nice. So I just start with little basics like that. Um, But I think it makes me focus on the positive. And as a person who was depressed for a long time, where, man, when you're depressed, it's really hard to find the positive. So mm-hmm. it, so versus living in the negative, it really reminds me that, oh, my gosh, I have so much. Life is so good, which is a wonderful thing because we can always lament, oh, I don't have enough money. I didn't win the lottery. But, no, life is really good. I love your point about breakfast. Oh, I had breakfast mm-hmm. this morning. And there are a lot of people in the world who didn't. Yep. Even better to me would be if I could only eat half my breakfast and give the other half to someone else. Right. Right, right. You know, and, and you can kind of do that because if you go to the grocery store and you buy a box of oatmeal, you can buy another box of oatmeal and put it at the most of stores around yes. here. Or I don't know if this is everywhere. I have a bin to, to give food to the hungry. Ah. And so, you know, so it's like I bought one and I gave one. So I have breakfast and so does somebody else. Awesome. You know, one of the things, yeah, one of the things I love this year about flu shots, which are very controversial, but I get one every year because I had the flu once and said, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> this is awful. So I get one. And I get it at Walgreens. And the reason they get it at Walgreens is because when you go in and give a shot, get a shot, they give a shot to some child. They give oh. a shot to a child. And I thought, really? That's kind of cool. So they will give in, you know, in impoverished countries or in, in impoverished parts of this country. And I thought they're actually doing, it's a way to pay it forward. And so it's similar to, well, I get one and they get one. I, I kind of like the concept, so I started to do that, um, which, you Wonderful. know, if you can think of things like that, like who's the other guy? How can I help the other person? Even if you just, you know, they have uh, those baby carriage seats in the grocery cart. And, of course, there's a lot of carjacking going on, and there's a mom putting the groceries away, and she, or she's got to put her child in the car. She puts her child in the car. Now she's got groceries, and she has to put them away, and she's wondering what to do with the carriage. I will oftentimes go over and say, do you want me to take your carriage for you? I mean, you know, really, how, how, oh, how much time is it so going to take you to put it away? Well, you know, oh, that's if you, that's awareness, you know, being awareness and making – Maybe uh-huh. she's having a tough day and her day gets better. So it's the whole positive psychology aspect of it all. And that's what I try mm-hmm. to explain to people because then you do have something to be grateful for. You helped somebody else. It isn't always mm-hmm. about getting for us. So that mm-hmm. works. Um, one of the other things, because we're getting, starting to get toward the top of the hour, but one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was that sometimes it's really hard for people to trust again after they've been betrayed or abandoned or rejected or deceived Got any tips on how anybody can learn to trust again? Not more quickly, but just build on it and and feel that so that they can have that sense of wholeness. I think there's a couple of ways. One is you can ask source, creator, the universe, whatever you call it. Um, You can ask for examples of trustworthy people in your life. Show me that my other experiences or what they were, but that there are people that are trustworthy. I think there's also the learning to trust yourself again, too, that once Mm -hmm. you trust yourself, it's easier to discern who else is trustworthy and who is not. And um, the gift of discernment is actually one of the Holy Spirit gifts. I don't usually talk in those terms much, 
But that was one of the ways that I went about get, at, getting that. I ha- asked for that. I wanted to be able to discern because I put myself in really bad positions in my younger years. I didn't want to be doing that anymore. So, you know, teach me what I don't know. Um, lastly, about trust, I think that there are healing techniques like I use theta healing, that's one that I'm trained in and I teach, and I use it with my clients to undo the limited thinking that might keep them stuck. So um, giving them creator's perspective on trust, trustworthiness, um, we do that with downloads, but then also pulling um, the limiting belief that men aren't trustworthy. I mean, that was part of what I grew up with is men aren't trustworthy. Well, that's sure. not true, but I sure thought that for a long time. So I, I use theta healing with all that too. Yeah, and I think that a lot of, there are a lot of different alternative modalities out there that people can use that absolutely do help. And as I said, the ACEP, or the Association of Comprehensive Energy Psychology, is part of the American Psychology Association, and they're accepting these forms now. They're, they're putting them into practice. Awesome. They're teaching psychologists and psychiatrists how to do this in their practice because the talk therapy isn't enough. So, you know, I, I was grateful to hear that because I do the psychology, the positive psychology part, and I thought, oh, this is really good. I'm glad because I do the talk therapy and the other stuff as well. So that really okay. was um, good to see that happen. Um, I loved, loved, loved in your book when I got to that part about asking the Holy Spirit because for years, for uh-huh. years, I go to the dollar store and I buy those candles with the holy people on the front, primarily uh-huh. any form of any form of Mother Mary that I can get. And I light the candle okay. every night and I thank her for the day. And then I say, you know, thanks, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talk to her like I talk to her. Hey, thanks, man. This was a great day. You know, I'm looking forward to another one tomorrow. You have a good night. Blow out the candle, however long it's been going. And when I read that, I thought, gee, I never thought to go direct. <laughs> I mean, she was direct, but I'm like, I never thought to go to the Holy Spirit. So since I read your book, I've been saying, hey, Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, my and God, I have that's to say, wonderful. I like it. Yeah, it really is. It really because it doesn't matter. You can call on the angels. You can call on any godlike entity to yes. help you. I don't care what religion it comes from. If right. I need all the help in the world I can get, I'm going to call everybody in and say, "Hey," because you know what? Nobody asks. So there's a, lo- a very high unemployment rate on the other side. There's plenty of entities that have nothing to do, and they're just like, "Oh, That's well, so please funny. I think now. that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're please hanging out. They're now. going. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have I got a job for you today? Will you help me with this? And inevitably, inevitably it works out. And I think it might take a little bit of doing. You might have to make a few phone calls. But you know what? It gets done. And because of the way the phone calls lead from one to the other to the other and you finally get to the ultimate person you need to speak to and everything turns out to be A-OK, you knew it was going to happen because you called upon the entities and somehow you are you are pushed forward to keep going, make that call, make the next one. I just see it working, and I loved, I loved that part of the book. I started laughing because I thought, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I never thought to go to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Call them all in. It works. It works. It's so accessible. I, and I've seen clients where they're like, oh, well, I want that. And bam, I see that energy move into their life. It's like, yeah. that's so cool. All you have to do is want it and ask. Yeah, and and you have to ask sincerely. You don't just say, hey, you know, and, and, and don't go out and say, well, I'm going to ask to win the lottery because that's, you know, that's, you got to earn it. <laughs> Even people who win the lottery earn it. Most of them have bought tickets for years and probably paid that money in and now they're just getting it back, <laughs> you know. So, well, and it has to be within the paradigm of what you've created yeah. for this life, you know. It just may not be um, 
what you intend, what your your spirit self intends for this lifetime. Right. You know, and so you need money. There might be something else that comes along, like a really good job offer that you didn't expect for something that you never thought you'd be able to do, but you can. Yeah, so that works out, too. I do want to ask you, and I don't know if you want to divulge this or not, but I know you have another book coming out this year. Can you give us a sneak peek as to what that one is about? Yes, it's coming out in August. You're laughing. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Oh, I was just working on it before our call. I was just doing some editing. Yeah. Um, it's called The Mystery of My Unfolding Self. And it's about the spiritual journey that that we have such wonderful people to look to. You know, we have Yogananda or Mahatma Gandhi or even Deepak Chopra, these wonderful beings yeah. who've written books and talked about their spiritual path. And yet I feel like I'm more an average American woman. And I can't quite aspire to be them um and and I'm not Indian, so maybe I could put out an example of how it's been for me, and maybe that will be helpful to others, especially for people who don't follow a Zen master or um you know a close spiritual teacher, so it's unique for us and it's challenging, and so that's what this one's all about. I think that sounds wonderful. And if you would like to come back on the show to discuss that, please keep me in mind. We would love to have you. Oh, thank you, T. I appreciate that. Yeah, you, you said it's coming out in August. So do you think it will really launch in August or September? I'm hoping it will launch in August. I'm finding at this point I'm doing a book a year. So that's my plan. And um, Kudos to you. I was just talking with the publisher today. And, um, I, yeah, that that's what I'm – that's what my target is. I like the sound of it. It sounds like it's something that's needed because so many people say, well, yeah, but it's Deepak or it's the Dalai Lama or it's the Pope or it's the this one or the that one. They can't relate. Right. We need people that are relatable, you know, and a lot of people have a lot of issues. And when you have somebody who has gone through a journey such as yours, it makes it even more relatable because it's like, wow, if she could get over all that then surely I have not had that. I can get over my stuff. And I think that's, you know, a really good way to go. So kudos for you for coming up with that idea. I'm excited. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> um, I did want to mention with this book, Living Hope is available on Amazon, or it's available through my com webpage, and that's Cochran Murphy with a hyphen. Um, yeah. My personal business webpage is Desert Jewel. Dot org. People want to see about the classes or the services that I offer because I do work with people um, through the telephone and through um, Skype or you know, other mm-hmm. mediums like that. And um, I mentioned the freebies that are on the website on the com website to go ahead and enjoy those. And um, I, I would just like to be available because... I don't want to keep it all to myself. Well, and it's important, and you're helping so many people, you know. And and I was just going to ask you if you would tell people where they can learn about your book and more about you, so you've done that for me. Thank you very much. Uh Uh, I want to say to everyone that this book is really, it's a quick read, it's a good read, it's a fascinating read. You will get so much out of it. It's a story. It's not academic at all, so you're going to enjoy it and and you'll probably cry and be shocked and laugh, and, you know, you'll resonate with parts of it. It's just good, 
stuff to get. It will really give you the tools that you need to, to help get out of the suffering, no matter how small or large it is that you have going on right now. So, you know, again, Living Hope, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind. The author is Lynn Cochran Murphy, and her website is www. I'm going to spell this for you, L-Y-N-N-E-C-O-C-K-R-U-M hyphen M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. So go ahead and check that out because there's a lot there and there's a lot in the book and I think you'll get a lot out of it. And, you know, it's really something that too many people are suffering. No one should suffer. That's one of my biggest things is no one should suffer. Suffering is wrong. And we need to use the tools to become resilient so that we can meet the challenges and not have the suffering and the angst that go on for hours and days and weeks and months on end. You know, so... um, Thank you, Lynn. It has truly been an honor having you on the show. I I so much appreciate you taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. Thank you. You're a delightful person. I enjoyed talking with you. And I appreciate that you are willing to put my book out there and that you actually read it and enjoyed it. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I read a book a week for the show, and people are always surprised. I, you, read, you actually read the book? And I'm like, yeah, how would I interview you if I didn't? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, I get something out of it. I'm growing, too. So, you know, it's, a, it's an energy exchange. It works well for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life that we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully, and without all of the suffering. It's needless. Read this book. Living Hope, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind. This is where you find the tools to do all of this so that you can send the link to this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. Get out your calendars, mark it down. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my Quartz Crystal Sound Vibrational Healing Concerts and Labyrinth Walks. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, Living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care, stay well, and for those of you who are celebrating, happy Easter. Thanks a lot.
It's not a hand. 